On this Aviation special, we talk with Joel Shrek and Julian Slater, the sound editors for Jumanji, the next level, talking about the new movie and creating sound for Hollywood. All that and more next on this Aviation special. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is an AV Nation special. The sound of Jumanji. This is an AV Nation special. My name is Tom Albright. I'm your host, Jumanji. The next level is out in theaters now. It is a sequel to Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. This world is bigger, more dangerous, and full of crazier obstacles, including some of the audio and the soundtrack you're going to hear. With us to talk about sound editing for Jumanji The Next Level is Joel Shrek and Julian Slater. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you. To be with you. Thanks, guys. So, so this, this movie, uh, the movie came out on the 13th of December. Uh, if you're familiar, not familiar with, with the premise of the, the previous one, video game, um, it was kind of, uh, I guess, haunted or, or, or cursed or, or what have you uh, in the first one. Um, four teenagers got sucked into it. Uh, you had folks like The Rock and, and Kevin Hart uh, and Jack Black and, and um, uh, folks that were the avatars of, of those characters, of those four teenagers. That movie ends, the, the, the game is busted, and one of the main characters now is trying to um, fix it, as it were, um, and, and re-enter it. Uh, when you guys are, are looking at um, the, the previous one, Joel specifically here, um, what do you bring with you? Um, what do you bring with you from the, from the previous movie from a sound editor standpoint that you're like, you know what, this was the sound that we had, this is what we know that we want to bring to, to the next level? Uh, we pretty much brought everything. I mean, I, I would say that there was more sound design in this this current one, the next level, compared to Welcome to the Jungle. But Welcome to the Jungle was challenging on a on a in a different way, in the sense that it was uh, it was a new look at this uh, story, and uh, the ideas were completely different, and uh, all the sounds. Uh, had to be created and, and some of them took a, a lot of auditions and, and for example when the avatars respawn the, the movie we made two years ago we must have auditioned like a hundred different sounds everybody was pulling sounds I, I had friends sound designers I said can you make me a sound and and we eventually found that sound it took a long time that everybody liked the filmmakers and us so uh, there was much more discovery all that work uh, was in the bank, and we just we took that and then just took it, you know, and moved it further for this one that just came out, the next level. Talk about that for a second, because you you, you mentioned the respawning. That that is a inherently a a video game reference or a video game um, uh, definition here. Yeah, it's a video game reference, and we we've listened to lots of video games, and uh, uh, you know, many video games you have characters, and then they you lose your life and then, you know, you have extra lives and then it pops back up and now you're down to two, you're down to one. And there's, we listened to all sorts of different sounds for that, but we wanted something a little more elegant and a little more quality to it because it was going to be in a feature film and in the theater. And and to tell you the truth, 
the director, the picture editor, Julie and I, none of us can even remember who found that sound that we ended up using because everybody was searching. Uh, but anyway, uh, there was a lot of things like that in the movie two years ago that took a long time for us to settle. And that experience really paid dividends for when we got to this one, knowing that anything new, we had to kind of work it out with everybody creatively. But also, I mean, it will also helped us, Joel, don't you think, was the fact that it was the same team. We, we, I, previously to the last Jumanji uh, movie, Tim, I'd never worked with Joel before. In fact, I was, I was kind of the new kid on the block because I had never worked with uh, Jake, the director, Joel, uh, or the picture editors. And so um, I had to get up to speed uh, on how every director is different. Every director will tell you that they want their, sound, their movie sound to be this way, whereas another director will say they want it to sound that way. So um, I had to get on board as quickly as possible with Jake's sensibilities, um, and then we all had to get on board with what Jumanji's sensibilities uh, had to be. But we kind of didn't have that issue this time around because it was essentially the same team, and we knew what we were, what we were, where we were heading. So um, we kind of physically brought stuff with us from the last movie, but we also brought that working relationship, which, again, um, you know, there was, from day one, we hit the ground running, I think, a lot quicker than on the last one, wouldn't you say, Joel, just because we, we, we knew what we had to do. For sure. And we knew how we all worked, and we all knew each other's, you know, strengths, weaknesses, whatever, but it, that, that really paid dividends as well. Does that does that strength of of working together previously that you that bringing that that team getting the band back together again does that give you some confidence and maybe a, a little bit of of um, uh, wind behind your sails to try something maybe different or new or maybe stretch farther than maybe you would have if if you weren't familiar with the the teammates you already had. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't speak for Joel, but I, that's definitely how I work. I, I feel like. I, I, I always think I do my best work when I have a relationship with a filmmaker where we know each we uh, you know we know each other well enough and whether that's over years or whether that's over weeks but there comes a point where you're not nervous about playing stuff because you don't think that the director he or she won't like it there comes a point when you when you know your director so well that you can you can try experimenting and doing kind of weirder and wonderful more wonderful things when you know your director um to a point and um that's when the good stuff happens as far as i'm concerned that's when you start doing some crazy stuff and um you know the 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 fun stuff comes out a lot quicker when you don't have those barriers so yes yeah yeah I i would second that i would say that uh the, the the thing to remember about the previous Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is that Jake Kasdan had not directed a, a big action adventure movie before, and it was it was a learning curve for him as a director. He's a, he's a great story director, really good, and he usually writes most of his movies, so he understands all the little beats that, that the drama has to have. But sound design was sort of new to him. And we had, a, in two years ago, we had a lot of sounds that ended up staying in the movie. But as we introduced them, the filmmakers would go, well, I'm not quite so sure because their own sensibility was developing. And then the advantage, they grew a lot. We all grew. And then by doing that movie together two years ago, 
the, the big thing we gained was trust. And this time, they, they kind of knew what Julie and I were would do. And they, they more often said, hey, just take the ball and run with it. We want to see what you guys do. And, and if something we said, we really like this, there was a lot more trust this time. Not that they didn't trust us as people, but, but they knew that our sensibility paid off because we had done it before. So it allowed us to go to a more mature, advanced level. It was like going from high school to college in a way. Well, you, 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 you proved yourself and you, you had some, some, you know, some credit, some, some currency with them that allowed that to happen, right? Yeah, totally. Yes. I, think, yeah. I think regardless of, of, of Joel's credits or my credits or anyone's credits, the proof is always in the pudding. And so I, I genuinely think that, um, well, I know that, but that, that, that Jake, at the end of the last movie, when on the last day of the dub stage, I mean, he turned to me and Joel and he said, you know, I'd, I'd never really appreciated what sound or sound design can do for a movie with regards to storytelling. Wow. And, I, and I think he came into this one much more nuanced about what, not only what could be done sound-wise, but what we could do for him, for the movie. So with that, I think it was a, it was, it was a much more relaxed, not that it was stressed last time, but much, much more, it was easier. It was easier because... Um, much easier. We could, yeah, we could, just, we could just, you know, we could just spend, you know, time in the cutting room and not necessarily be showing it to Jake the whole time because we knew that what we were doing was the kind of thing that he would be wanting us to do. So... It, it made for, even though the move, this movie is much more complicated for sound design and for the soundtrack, we were helped by that, that, um, uh, that knowledge of the fact that we all knew what we were trying to do and what Jake wanted us to do. Very cool. I, I want to focus on, on one aspect of the movie, and that is the fact that we've mentioned this a couple of times, the, the avatars, right? And the avatars are played by people like you know, the Dwayne Johnson, Karen Gillum, uh, Jack Black, and Kevin Hart. Previous movie, those four were avatars for teenagers. This, t- this time around, though, uh, both Kevin Hart and, and Dwayne Johnson, they're playing Danny DeVito and... Um, uh, Danny Glover in, in a roundabout way, right? So in the in the non-Jumanji world, the, the characters are Danny DeVito and Danny Glover. In the Jumanji world, though, that's 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 Dwayne Johnson and and Kevin and, and Kevin Hart. From a sound designer's standpoint and, and a sound editor standpoint, what challenges does that bring when the the character on the screen, that the person, the the actor on the screen, is also trying to channel a, a, another actor? Who, oh, by the way, is could be argued um, a legend, right? Um, both Danny DeVito and Danny Glover have been yep. around for a long time, and people know them uh, and and identify with them pretty regularly. Not that they don't with Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart, but but they they have been around a little longer. Joe, uh, I'll, I'll take this. I mean, I, um, I mean, most of the time it wasn't really a problem, but but for the sound, I would say that. Uh, because of that, because of the, what was beautiful about this movie in both the previous one and this one is that you have avatars playing characters. You have, you know, male avatars who have female bodies inside of them. And then in this show, you have, uh, you know, our great veteran uh, actor heroes, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover being played by, you know, these avatars. So the performances, there was, there was a 
lot of humor in, in this movie that's out right now. And a lot of the humor's in big action scenes. So we really had to be mindful because, but Julie and I knew instinctively uh, that we had to do this because Jake Kasdan's very story driven and, and written dialogue or whatever. But in the middle of these very busy sequences with lots of sound and huge score, these guys would have these lines that were very character driven and humorous and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, it, we had to be completely cognizant of that as we designed sounds around, you know, the, the jokes and the comments and the character lines and that sort of thing. So it, that, that was kind of a delicate balance. And it is, some of it is more mixing. Of course, Julian mixed sound effects. And our great friend Kevin O'Connell mixed the dialogue and the score. Uh, so that, that was a real keen uh, aspect of, of making the soundtrack work for the next level. Yeah, because Jake, if any given point, if there's a choice between hearing some cool sound design and uh, hearing a joke, the joke will always win out. It, Jake is, is very much, it's, it's about the comedy. So we have to, with regards to a big action sequence, let's say the, um, the rope bridge sequence, there's still joke lines happening throughout that whole sequence, even though we have a thousand monkeys screaming, chasing after them. Really, the important thing is the comedy. So we are, um, as Joel says, cognizant the whole time of um, pushing the action buttons so that you know, it's a thrill ride for the audience, but but never getting in the way of the comedy. I mean, the, the comedy performances are so great in this. They're so funny. Um, you know, we've got to do everything we can do to protect it, regardless of what is happening on the screen, whether it's a big action sequence or not. Our, our job is to to protect the comedy and then also, if we can, with sound, enhance it. That, that's kind of what we did with this one. I'll, I'll give you a quick footnote. Uh, the Kevin Hart playing Danny Glover, he's more soft-spoken and he's kind of quiet and long-winded. And when we first started working, and he's saying stuff in the middle of a doom buggy chase, in the middle of the monkey things, and and we were really worried how we were gonna how are we gonna make all this action work around where we have to come down so we can hear him do a Danny Glover line, yeah. and uh, and there were some tricky spots, and we had to really just tuck and tuck and tuck and nip and tuck and just get it down to the frame as to when things come in and go out so we can hear all those lines and uh, it, it worked out but uh you know it, we knew it going in and we had to work hard at it and we, we eventually got there <laughs> if somebody would ask you say what, what's the biggest challenge a, a sound editor runs into when when they're working on a movie like like jumanji the next level <laughs> challenge is I would say. I mean, I, I, I always think that it's... Um, Prioritize them. I always Prioritize think, them, Julian. <laughs> I, no, I just think uh, when, I'm, when I get asked this, I, I feel like it's, um, it's a bit of a puzzle. Each movie is a puzzle, and each movie is a different puzzle. And, uh, you know, no two soundtracks are the same. And um, I, I remember being struck. I, I, on the last Jumanji, I'd literally landed on a Friday night having done a very complicated movie in London, very complicated sound movie in London, and uh, had a weekend of uh, 
thinking to myself, well, I'm never going to do anything that tough again. Uh, Jumanji is going to be nice and easy. And then I rolled in Monday morning and saw, <laughs> saw the first cut of the last Jumanji. And instantly, it's a whole new batch of puzzles to be, they're, they're different puzzles, but they're different puzzles to be fixed and sorted and solved. So, you know, with this movie, it's, um, as an example, it is that thing of, of an action sequence that primarily it's a family movie, so we don't want anything to be screaming loud. We don't want the audience to be sitting there with their fingers in their ears. We've got um, Kevin Hart playing a softly spoken character who's not necessarily projecting loudly for his comedy reasons. He's kind of mumbling a bit, and we've got a thousand monkeys chasing him. So right there in that sequence, that is a, 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 a conundrum of hearing of hearing all the detail plus hearing the lines, making it exciting because it's an action movie, yet not uh, you know tiring the audience. So every little part of the of the movie is a is a conundrum that just needs solving, and they're all solvable, but it's it's doing it in the in the in the most satisfying way that every department gets its its moment in the sun. So whether it be the music, the dialogue, or the sound design, that that's how I see it anyway when I when I approach a movie. If I might add something to your, to your question, you're kind of getting out. The, the the other challenge of Jumanji specifically is is sort of a it's sort of a advantage and a disadvantage that the the land of Jumanji is completely fictional. So you kind of have an open canvas for creating sounds, but that also means that the filmmaker can have their own idea, and it can be just as you know, in a different left field as your idea, and neither one of you are right or wrong. And so it, it gives you this great openness to create, but it also means that you really have to uh, come to a consensus because there's no roadmap to what Jumanji sounds like or what some of these fictional animals sound like. So it, it was it was fun and challenging, but that was challenging that it was so uh, you, you, some nobody could tell us oh a you know a white albino rhinoceros doesn't sound like that because they don't exist so <laughs> well, and that's the nice thing of it i, I want to go back to something though that, that julian said uh it, it, one of your guys's jobs and, and probably i would say one of the most challenging jobs is not tiring out the audience especially in a movie like jumanji the next level because it's so action driven because there is no, you, you do have dialogue, you've got a, a driving soundtrack, but you've also got, uh, you guys mentioned the thousand monkeys, but other sound effects as well. How do you balance that? How do you balance the, get the audience excited into it without, without tiring them out? Well, it's a, it's a process and it's a bit of a journey. I mean, the, to be honest with you, it's the easiest thing to do is to, do a, to, to make a mix that is going to be um, tiresome. And, um, there is no right or wrong way around it. I mean, what happens is is that when when we kind of throw everything at it that we feel editorially is going to work, and we are we do have the benefit of doing tent mixes. So on um, Jumanji, on this this Jumanji, I think we did five tent mixes in the end, which is where we preview it to an audience to get feedback. And so we have these dress rehearsals, these dry runs of um, of of the mixes and we learn a lot through that and we learn that um you know 
Uh, we learn what the score is going to be. It's pretty close at that point, even if it's not the final score. We've got a good idea of what it's going to be. <clears throat> and um, we also changed up within a scene. So, for example, on the there's a scene with uh, everyone being chased by this huge herd of ostriches, hmm. where at the beginning of the scene we start off more kind of leading with the sound design and the effects, and then kind of midway through the scene for the second half we kind of kind of turn that dynamic around and uh lead with the score and kind of take the effects down and we just hear effects at certain points so it's a it's a bit of a it's a it's a it's a bit of a journey and it's um you kind of put everything up and you just start from day one and you figure it out and um uh we have to catch ourselves because quite often we'll be we'll be sitting there and, and Joel, Joel will agree with his right Joel there were times where we would yes. get to a point where we'd say you know it sounds really good but we seem to have got a bit loud here so then we'd go we'd go yes. back to the beginning of a scene and literally turn it down by 2 or 3 dB thinking well it's going to be too much but we'll try it and you turn it down 2 or 3 dB and it still sounds fine and then we'll come to that scene yep. again later on and we try turning another dB down and, that's, and, it, and it still works so we're very we're very aware of um, using all the tools that we can to not make it an oppressive uh, mix. You know, I took I took my two boys to the. I have two sons, nine and eleven, who came to the premiere, and um, you know, for their sakes, I don't I don't want any any child to sit in a cinema and feel that their ears are getting fatigued because they are precious things. Absolutely. So um, yeah, it's a it's a constant it's a constant self governing thing of uh, of tucking frequencies, tucking sound design, uh, and just being very aware of um, not bombarding the audience with sound. As we wrap up here, guys, yeah. just some practical questions here because our our, our audience are, are AV professionals. When when you walk into a job like this, and, and Joel, I'll let you start on this, Somebody says, you know what, Joel, I want you for, for my, my next movie. Uh, I want you as the sound editor. Is it something that you get to say, okay, great, I, absolutely. This is the equipment that I use, right? I, I use uh, this, this soft, this, this, this digital audio workstation. I use this software. These are the boards that I use. Or is it one of these things where you just kind of walk in and go, this, this is, uh, I'm using what they have? Uh, it, it, it's, well, th th they are going to, the, the gear in, in post-production in in, in 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 movies that's not really a question that gets asked uh, at right now today almost everybody uses the same mixing and editing software which is pro tools now there's lots of, of other gimmicks and plugins and things that various people use uh, I've almost never had a filmmaker or someone hire me for a job saying well what what plugins are you going to use or whatever? So it, it's not quite a uh, uh, concern for us because if you have a reputation, if you have credits and you've done movies like this, you you basically have all the state-of-the-art equipment and, and software anyway. Uh, so that question is kind of moot, I would say, right now. Uh, the, but the one equipment thing... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, but it, so it it, uh, it, is, it is one thing where you you drive and and you pick out the equipment that you want to use because it's stuff that you already have. Yeah, okay. but there is one part of that question that that is very much has to be figured out by everybody, 
and that's the facility where you're going to do the sound mix. And that can really affect sensibilities and creativity, uh, you know, whether you're going to mix in a nice theater-sized dub stage or something smaller or whatever. In this case, we, we mixed in the, in the best and largest dub stage at Sony Studios. The director uh, requested that. That was like a requirement from day one of something he was involved with. And that was the only equipment question that he was involved in was the, was the dub stage where we were going to mix. And that is kind of important to figure out with everybody. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Joel Shrek, uh, Supervising Sound Editor for Jumanji The Next Level and Julian Slater. Again, Jumanji The Next Level is out in theaters now. For us, for AV Nation, you can go by the website, avnation.tv.